Do you long to feel more joy in work and life? Do you want to reduce stress and sleep better? Are you looking for healthy ways to cope? Join Speedway Jefferson, certified mindfulness practitioner and lawyer, and learn to operate from your peaceful path. Harness the power of mindfulness meditation to feel softer, more clear, supported, and cheerful, starting with just five minutes a day. When was the last time you felt truly seen and supported at work? Have you ever had a leader who was fully present with you during meetings? Or do they tend to multitask? Do you feel like your boss is really listening? Hi, and welcome to Mindful in Five, ideas to help you operate from your peaceful path. My name is Spira Jefferson, author of the book and companion journal, Mindful in Five, Meditations for People with No Time. My guest today has learned the value of being truly present through at least one difficult lesson. Melanie Richardson-Jones is regional president at a leading multinational corporation that markets and distributes food and related products to restaurants and various industries. This powerful executive has experience leading billion-dollar businesses with multilingual teams in multinational environments at large Fortune 500 companies. Her superpowers, and there are many, include creating commercial strategies that monetize and generate value for brands and services. She is adept and has a proven track record at producing inorganic growth while driving organic growth. She has a passion for negotiating complex customer contracts and aligning a dynamic distribution system to the customer needs. Melanie is a naturally curious, passionate servant leader who loves the business of business. She holds certifications from Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan School. You got to be bright to do that. Hi, Melanie, and welcome to Mindful in Five. Thank you, Speedway, but what a generous introduction. Thank you. Well, all I had to do was introduce. You actually were the one who had to do all those things. <laughs> first things first, we want our listeners to know that the opinions expressed in this and every Mindful in Five episodes are our own and not endorsed or attributable to our employers. Melanie, tell our listeners what else you would like us to know about you. Well, first of all, I'm I'm really excited to be here with you today to to spend some time just chatting about a subject that's really important to me. Um, I think it would be helpful to understand that I'm a wife, a mother, and a business leader. So mindful mindfulness and specifically intentionality, awareness, being present in all of my life situations is really important to me. Um, so I'm excited to specifically spend time chatting with you about all those things. Okay, so this is totally off script. Do you remember back before the pandemic when it was on BBC and there was this fellow who was 
you know, an expert who showed up <laughs> and he was like, you're going yes. a very serious discussion. And his kids showed up in the background, his little toddlers yeah. and his wife like swooped in and gathered them all up. And uh, as you're talking about being a wife and a mother and all these hats that we all wear as professionals that are beyond the work that we do, I remember what a novelty that was and how in a lot of ways the pandemic has really just brought those things into collision with one another where um, you really are now your whole self in a much more transparent way. And I think it's actually been good for all of us as professionals to be able to see each other in that more fulsome light and also to be just sort of um, to have permission to be like our softer selves at work. You know, I remember that video. Uh, I, I believe that gentleman was an economist. So he was talking about something that was pretty heavy. Yeah. Uh, and his toddler walked into the room. And I think what struck me there was how gracious he was to his child, right? So he he didn't chew him away. He didn't, you know, give him an angry look. I think his wife finally came in and swept the child away. But but I think I was just so impressed with his ability to do both at the same time, right? To to be a gracious father and an economist all in that same moment. And you're right. I think um, COVID has taught us all to 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 treat our children with um, a bit more grace, especially as it pertains to kind of interloping into work activities. And and as a mother of teenagers, that happens for me. A lot. I I, I want to say <laughs> I've been in I, I, the the last time our CEO was here to talk to me about my my business results. My son's lunch account was out of money, and I had to stop the meeting to get my personal cell phone so I could put more money on my child's lunch account. So during, he could- yes, so he could eat. I mean, so you know, germane to the topic because we are here at Cisco all about food. <laughs> and I want my child to eat. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think you're right. So in looking for um, a title for this episode, you know, Melanie, I kept coming back to this one, listening at the speed of business, because you wrote this truly excellent article about what it means to listen at the speed of business. Listeners, it's on LinkedIn, uh, and there's a link to the article in the notes for this podcast. So, Melanie, in your article, you recounted your own experience of a time when you did not listen and that cost of your inattentiveness. So tell us about that. So I want to start by saying I absolutely am aware of the financial implications of my actions, uh, but... I, I kind of find the experience today funny in um, in a way that, you know, you kind of laugh at yourself as you grow as a leader. So um, at that point in my career, I was an operations uh, manager uh, leading the build out of an operation for an organization. <clears throat> so it was a complete startup and uh, I was the on-site leader during the construction. Uh, as it happens during the, that time frame in businesses, we were behind schedule. So the construction was behind, our hiring was behind. Uh, we were under a time crunch to get everything done to hit the target startup date. Um, I was working a lot of hours and just happened to be in the building late one night 
walking across the receiving dock and one of the foremen for the construction project stopped me, shoved some blueprints in my face and said, you know, these aisles look like they're going to be about XX feet wide. Um, aisles in a warehouse are generally 12 to, thir- to 13 feet. Uh, I was not listening to him. Uh, I had something else on my mind. I was on my way to go do something else. So I just said, sure, to him and kept walking. Uh, the problem was that in this specific facility, we were going to use a wire guided turret system, which leans heavily on exact measurements of aisles. Um, and I told him the wrong measurement. I said, sure, to the to the wrong thing. The aisles were not whatever feet he said they were. And so when they installed the the turret system, the forklifts hit the aisles at every single turn in the warehouse once it was all fully installed, which is a, a big safety issue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and extremely costly. Um, and so, you know, after, you know, a lot of back and forth between the two companies, uh, we finally got it fixed. But that was a big lesson for me, right? That you can't be so flippant about responses uh, in business to things that feel small. Um, it, it just that that was not a that was not a good uh, way for me to show up as a leader in that moment. And I suspect that there are lots of us at some point in our careers on the way up to senior leadership who have been in that position, right? Where you're looking at your leader and you're like, you know, this is a disaster, right? <laughs> you know, this isn't gonna go well, right? Yeah, not only you know this is a disaster, but and it's kind of your fault. <laughs> you can't say those words. I'm to tell you this is not gonna go well, right? And your leader doesn't listen because who are you anyway? I'm busy. Yeah. I'm off my, you know, I'm off to do this other thing. And, you know, you sort of sit there with all of your other, with all the other chickens and you're like, mm, I don't know, this is going to go bad. <laughs> and then it goes badly and there's a part of you that feels a little bit satisfied because you're like, mm-hmm, I said it. And uh, meanwhile, nobody remembers that was you who said it. So it doesn't really, <laughs> in the end, it doesn't serve you. Um One of the things that I loved about your story was your vulnerability in sharing, because I think we've also all been in that leadership position where somebody told you this thing and you didn't listen because either you didn't understand the import of it or you were not fully present and you didn't really hear it um, or something else got in the way. Maybe you just forgot. And uh, so in in. I love that you're vulnerable enough to be willing to share it. In my experience, most excellent leaders aren't born, right? They are made and they're fashioned through experimentation and sometimes hard lessons like these. So when I read the article, I did wonder if you had any follow-up conversations with the contractor who was trying to tell you what the problem was. Did you? Um, so you said a couple of interesting things there. I always say to people like, don't, don't, uh, try to rush through the time that you get to develop in the dark, right? This, this was a moment where I understand today the magnitude of what I did and, and the magnitude of my mistake. But the reality was that the build out of this, this specific operation was going to be one of, I think, seven buildings of the company operated across the country. So it was a big deal, but I wasn't the only one. And 
Um, and I, and I, I was able to retrospectively learn a lot of really good lessons from that moment. One of the lessons that I learned was about accountability because no, I didn't talk to the contractor. Uh, I didn't talk to the contractor and my boss didn't talk to me. I let my boss take all of the responsibility to fix this. And um, I never circled back to him or the contractor about what we could do together to resolve it. If I today were in the position of my boss, I absolutely would have held me accountable. I mean, up to and including like potential termination. It costs a lot of money to fix what I allowed to happen in that building under my watch. Um, But he didn't say anything to me. I didn't say anything to the contractor. We all just acted like it never happened. Um, And so, you know, another big lesson for me about presence and courageous leadership, just uh, not allowing things to just simmer and and not address them. This this was a big lesson and a big moment for me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think, when I think about mindfulness and why it matters so much in the workplace is because I I always define it. And depending on whom you ask, right, you get some variation of this concept that mindfulness is about being present in the moment without judgment and without being overwhelmed by what's happening around you. And sometimes what happens to us at work is, uh, especially in American society, we are sort of taught as business people, that multitasking is the name of the game. That's how you get a lot of things done. And that's despite the fact that all the studies show, maybe not all of them, because I haven't seen all of them, but all the ones I've seen say multitasking actually doesn't work. And it actually costs productivity. And so part of what we, I think, as leaders also need to have is that idea of non-judgment, that idea that we give ourselves grace. The only way that you are able to be just honest with yourself about things that have gone both well and not that well in your past as a professional is if you can fully just stare them down without, you know, falling on the floor in self-blame. And Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did the thing. And a lot of us stay up at night, just sort of ruminating on that was so awful. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I was so embarrassed. And we don't let it go. And and I think one of the lessons I would like our our listeners to take away is you can own and you can assess accountability for your activities in a way that doesn't help you, that doesn't leave you feeling like, oh, I'm such a failure. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Or just like ruminating on it in a way that isn't constructive. And you can take those lessons and say, okay, Maya Angelou says, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, when you know better, do better. And so clearly that was, you know, years ago. And as you reflect on it as a leader, I love the fact that you are able to demonstrate for us what it looks like to be reflective and honest about the thing that happened and then be able to tie it into, so what does it mean to me now as a leader? I don't know a busy professional who hasn't tried, you know, multitasking and, you know, done all these things that that make it really difficult. 
um, for us to be fully present and to like pay attention. Um, and so against this backdrop of that experience that you have shared with us, what does it mean to listen at the speed of business? So <clears throat> before I uh, answer that, I do want to say a couple things about failure and accountability that you just brought up. Um, I don't know who said it, but I often remind myself it is okay to fail as long as you fail forward, right? Like don't uh, make a mistake. And then, like you said, just wallow in it and, and hold yourself accountable to it. When I think back to the leader I was in this moment, and and this would have been um, 2006 or seven. So um, over 10 years ago, like 13, 14 years ago. Um, when I think back to the leader that I was at this moment, not addressing it, not talking about it, I say this sometimes to people, it's like playing hide and seek with a two-year-old where they just put their hands over their eyes because if they can't see you, that means you can't see them, (laughs) right? Uh, This mistake happened and the way I addressed it was like playing hide and seek with a two-year-old. I didn't talk about it. I didn't talk to the contractor about it. I didn't talk to my boss about it. I just acted like we all couldn't see it. And um, that, as you think about that in the span of leadership, is uh, where I think the my growth can be experienced the most, right? Retrospectively, I'm able to kind of look back at this moment and say, what was really going on here? And, and, and then push that into the question that you asked me, which I believe is, what, what, what does mindfulness mean today as a leader, right? Uh, that's the question you asked, correct? I said, what does it mean to listen at the speed of business? So it's it's essentially the same question. Yeah. So what does it mean to listen at the speed of business today for me? If I think about the situation, it really is identifying the places where you haven't been your best and um, and ensure that you push those learnings into how you show up as a leader today. So uh, if you if you think about the article and what I talk about, I talk about the fact that leaders have to be mindful of their ego enough to know that they can't do a lot of things well all at once, right? Um, there's a difference between multitasking and doing multiple different tasks at the same time. Uh, you talked about the studies that show that the latter is not effective. Um, I think as leaders, we trick ourselves into thinking I can do all things and be all things to all people all at the same time. And and that time and experience on the dock is a bit of a Petri dish example of that moment, right? Um, I had a lot on my mind. I was doing a lot at that time, probably working on um, we were we were behind on staffing. I was working on some productivity measurements with our uh, engineering team. And that I think was what was front of mind for me in that moment. So I think today um, I would have said to that gentleman, uh, give me a minute. Um, I say that all the time now in meetings, right? Uh, Somebody hands me a document and I say, uh, let me process this for a second. Give me a second. Let me look at this. I don't feel the need to just show up as somebody who knows everything and speak immediately. Um, I really take the benefit of time to ensure that the um, 
that that whatever I'm going to add to that conversation, my voice in that conversation is coming from a basis of I have not just heard you, but I've listened to you. I've listened to your request of me and I've listened to what you need of me before I respond. So if I push that back into what is listening at the speed of business look like, it is an active engagement in taking the time that you need to be the leader that the business needs at that moment, whether it be uh, I need a moment to respond to you or I I can't respond to you at all right now. Right. Um, Whatever the business needs of me in this moment, I really take that time to ensure that I'm I'm actively engaged in being that leader and not just the leader who has to know everything all the time. I heard you say the E word, ego, <laughs> and <laughs> so many of the problems we have in life, I think, can be traced back to this idea of ego. And um in the mindfulness context, and I'll post the article, I found a great article that talks about what ego is and isn't. You know, sometimes when we talk about ego, Melanie, people think that it is being brash and it is being, you know, sort of, you know, showing up in a, in a really like ugly way. Um, except for the fact that when we talk about ego from the place of mindfulness, it's it's something different from that. It is you know, the, the, the part of me that, you know, insists on uh, showing up and being seen as, you know, I'm the rock star leader and I can do it all and I can multitask. Watch me juggle. Never mind the fact that, you know, 60 balls fall. I'm just going to pretend they didn't fall because, you know, I'm acting like that two-year-old <laughs> that you mentioned. And, um, you know, you emerged from that experience, Melanie, with this new and valuable paradigm on active listening. And uh, as I recall, I think you proposed three steps that leaders should take to be more mindful listeners. And I think you've started to talk to us about those, but can you unpack those a little bit more? Sure. So uh, I think in the article, I talk about that, listen, these are this is not at all an exhaustive list. Uh, this is just what I currently do to help myself ensure that I am listening. So um, I, I do do three things. The first thing I do is I do the listen and repeat method. And that's not just repeating verbatim back to the person what they said. It is more of, let me tell you what I heard you say and then validate my understanding. And then I just, I, I summarize what I think the person heard me say, inclusive of what action I think they want me to take and ensure that we're aligned, right? And 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 I think important for my team specifically, if I'm wrong, if I didn't hear them correctly, or if that's not what they said, I give them the freedom to say, no, let me, let me tell you again, right? And so that scenario that you talked about at the beginning where associates watch a leader, <laughs> make a bad decision and (laughs) don't say anything. Um, If I reflect that to your ego statement, I I really be sure that I'm showing up as a leader that has a space open in this, in this listening dynamic for uh, any member of my team to say, no, let me, let me help you understand better what exactly I said. 
uh, in the virtual environment that we talked about, uh, I, I do a lot of room scanning or I do a, on, on a virtual meeting where people may or may not have cameras on, I do a lot of tone scanning. There's a lot that can be learned, not just from what people are saying, but what people aren't saying, right? So um, what does their tone look like? What does their body language look like? Did you say something and half the people in the room pick up their phones? That means they're texting one another, but they're not talking to you about something <laughs> you said. Um, and it, it's those things that we want to be mindful of because what's left unsaid can sometimes be a barrier to the business. Like maybe that man knew that those aisles weren't that footage and he just didn't want to tell me, no, I think these blueprints are wrong and I think you are wrong. He just ran with it with my validation, right? And so I think, you know, just being mindful of what's not said as well is is really important. And the last thing that I say in the article took me a long time to really get comfortable with, but I, I talk about the power of no. So I think leaders in a lot of a lot of times get a lot of questions that it's hard to say no to. Just the other day, I had a young lady ask me to join another mentoring group and mentor people. Um, And I had to say, no, what I said was, I can't right now. I love mentoring people. I love uh, sharing my experiences with people and and especially women and people of color in ways that will help them be better. However, uh, you know the Speedway because we actually know each other outside of this engagement. I am short three vice presidents on my direct leadership team. And so right now I'm, I'm, I'm working a lot and I cannot take on one more thing. Imagine how it would disappoint somebody in a mentorship relationship if I picked up another person to mentor while I'm short such key positions on my leadership team. And so getting comfortable with telling people, no, this is not a good time. No, I can't right now. No, I, I, I say this all the time. I don't have time right now, but my calendar is up to date and you're free to go out there and look for a time that works for both of us and put 30 minutes on my calendar for us to talk, right? Um, Getting comfortable with doing that, I think, was a big challenge for me in my leadership, but I was letting people down and I was letting the business down by overcommitting myself, overcommitting to things I really couldn't uh, do. And uh, I, I wasn't helping anybody. So when we think back to what listening at the speed of business looks like, it, it also looks like listening to yourself, listening to your calendar, listening to what you have the capacity to do and being honest about what that will look like in the real world so that you can actually be present for all those other important engagements. I love that. And listeners, I would also encourage you to go back and listen to, I have to find which one it was, but one of my earlier guests, Dorothy Inez, talked about this idea of the power of no. And she did it in a rather humorous way where she was like, you know, just practice at home and say it however you want to say it. No, nah, nah, mm-mm. Whatever it is, but when you show up, it was this idea that you're talking about, Melanie, that, you know, get comfortable with saying no, but the no isn't, you know, I don't want to help you. I don't want to hear you. I don't want to listen. It is that I recognize that in this moment, I cannot show up as my best self for you. I cannot really hear you right now because my mind is on something else. And so let me give you an alternative so that when I do show up, 
I can be fully present and I can be my best. And if now is not that time, it's actually a service that we do each other in the workplace and even at home to be able to say, no, I can't have that conversation right now. And I think especially because as we talk about those multiple hats, um, I have found that actually one place that that works really well is in marital relationships. And uh, when I was, you know, young and stupid, uh, if I had an argument or tried to start an argument with my husband, he might say, I really can't talk about that right now. And especially women, because, you know, we have lots of words. What do we do? We want to push and push. And so I would push and push and I'd try and talk and talk and talk about the thing that he just said. He wasn't in a position to talk about. And then, you know, he would like turn around and do like, you know, the Mufasa routine on me. <laughs> For those of you who have kids who watch The Lion King, he'd turn around and there'd be like this mighty roar and then there'd be a big fight. And then in the end, I'd be thinking, you know, maybe I should have let that go in that moment. <laughs> And so I am now much wiser and older. So if my husband says, I can't have this conversation with you right now, I actually go away. And then we have it when he is in a better position to have the conversation. So, um, you know, I've, I've read books and articles on leadership that also do advocate saying no, especially as you become more senior in your career. And generally, you know, part of the other reason to say no is that you are also increasingly sought after to do everything from join boards to sponsoring different projects to what you said earlier, Melanie, this idea of, you know, you've got more people who want to be mentored. And so the only way that you can be really effective is to sort of ruthlessly focus on what you do say yes to. But it wasn't until I read your article that I really considered this, the art of saying no so that you can be more effective and, and present as a listener. Based on your observation and feedback, have you seen a difference in how your team members and coworkers feel when you are more present? And has it made a difference in how you show up? Yeah, I, I talk about two differences, short term and long term. Um, in the short term, when you go from somebody who has not said no to somebody who is either working on or getting better at, at uh, the art of saying no, I, I call it in the article, the art of finding the no that looks good on you, right? <laughs> like trying on different pairs of jeans, find that one that feels good and looks good on you. Try multiple on until you find it. And then stick with it. When you first find that, it feels different to your team and that's a change, right? And and they react to that change. And so you really be committed to that space you're going to free up in saying no and how effective it's going to make you as you uh, come to life as a business leader. So it didn't happen for me immediately after this incident, but over time, uh, I think the, the most recognizable place that I can say, I can point to, this is where I really had to do it was when I, when I took on my very first VP role. And it felt like I had lost ownership over my calendar. I had an assistant and I had people who were like throwing time into my calendar, uh, asking her for time on my calendar. And I would open up my calendar on, on Monday and look at the weekend. I would be double, triple booked at times. And just, it, it was a mess. And, and so 
I just had to get better at saying no at first to just meetings so that I could be freed up to do the business of business, which I, I think in the introduction you, you said, I really enjoy and, and I'm good at when I can get that focus that it's needed. So um, I think that action of being committed to freeing up time for myself uh, and starting that process of saying no just to meetings at first and then over time more broadly um, helped me in 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 kind of the short term, then into the long term, um, once you get effective at that, it it opens up and frees up the space for now what else is true based on what I know about this art of no. And and what else is true is um, in saying no, you find a power to say what is needed from others to get you to a yes, right? So an example of that would be, Today, I don't let people shove things in my hands and ask for an answer, right? <laughs> um, it, it, right, because there's some ownership on his behalf as well. If I think back to that very first experience that we talked about on that doc today, if I'm walking somewhere, and 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 leaders know this happens all the time. If I'm walking somewhere and somebody tries to hand me something and get me to respond, not only do I not take it, <laughs> right. I, what I say is, I'd love to respond to you. Why don't you give me some time? You can scan it to me and I'll look at it. You can drop it off at my office and I'll respond to you in an email, right? I give them some other options, but I'm not going to put myself or anyone else in a position because I've learned from that specific moment what it looks like to do that badly <laughs> uh, today to uh, to be uh, better in those moments, not to be so flippant about the value of my voice, about the value of what it means when I or I or any leader gives a response in a moment. Um, I think that's the long-term learning of the power of how you be present in the business at the moment, how you leverage no for positive, in, in the total business and how you just leverage, how you leverage it to be your best self uh, and show up as your best self as a leader. So you made me think of kind of a funny anecdote when you talk about the value of your voice, right? Because you are a president at this organization and what happens as leaders go up in rank and title, there is an amplification of your voice that you may not even necessarily intend. Um, I was having a conversation once with a CEO who he was new to his role and he was just reflecting on how he learned that. And it was, he was sitting in a meeting and they were talking about food and he just happened to mention that, you know, I really like Skittles. And like the next month, he had all these people who were dropping off Skittles in his office. And so now all of a sudden he's a washing Skittles and he's like, yo. I mean, the times that something like that has happened to me, I, you know, I, I think part of it, so I reflect back to your ego comment, right? Um, I don't necessarily, I, I, there are so many ways in which candidly I see myself as uh the youngest version of me in a business suit with a briefcase on this journey to be a leader, right? 
And today I'm, I'm, I'm really far from that person who started this journey, but in my mind, I am still that person in a lot of interactions. And so uh, early in my Early in my uh, walk as a leader, uh, what I found the way that showed up was um, I would justify like my position. So it, it sounded like this. I would walk into an interaction and they would introduce me at the time I was in roles as vice president and they would introduce me and they would be like, and she is our vice president. And I would go into almost a resume of why I was there. And I would go into, oh, and I studied at XXX and like, you know, all the things that you mentioned in that bio as we walked up, I remember drawing a line on the calendar for the day that I would stop doing that. Because mm-hmm. the, the reality is um, you're sitting in the position, you sit in the position and you, you, you rise to fill all of the corners of the space that you inhabit as a leader, right? So you don't need to um, tell people every day why you're there. However, I'm still human. And so we will have interactions where, you know, I say things like your Skittles example. I mentioned to somebody that I liked some dessert that has chocolate in it. And you know this about me. I, I don't like chocolate. The number of chocolate desserts that showed up in my office over the and, and, and like not only was it to me like just a good example of people are listening all the time to everything that you say. Um, people are making assumptions about what you say when you inhabit a title, right? That this man would want 10,000 Skittles and that I would want every dessert that has chocolate in it. Um, it, it just is really interesting. And so just being mindful of that and, and and the reality that, you know, these people are doing something kind for me. These people are doing something out of the generosity of their hearts and, and giving me these treats. Um, I have to be mindful of that. I don't know what he did with all the Skittles, I made myself publicly take a bite of all the desserts and like, oh, fawn all over them and then found a way to slide into a conversation with somebody I knew would tell everybody I don't like chocolate <laughs> or sweets, to be honest. Not <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a dessert eater. So, yeah. Well, um, that's funny. And I also think it's it's important because there's a difference, I think, sometimes between how you're perceived simply by virtue of the title that you inhabit and how you perceive yourself. And oftentimes, you know, I've had vice presidents who are like, you know, I, I, I was promoted into this role. I woke up today with this title and all of a sudden people expect me to know things. But I was I'm the same person I was yesterday. And by the way, I'm still like on some days thinking I'm working my way toward adulthood. Right. So I'm not even there. And they've trusted me with this. Oh, my gosh, that's kind of scary. And um, so I think it's important as leaders to also recognize that you don't have to be perfect in the way that, you know, you feel about the role It it doesn't call for you necessarily to be, you know, flawless and bulletproof in every way. And, you know, personally, as a lawyer, I get this all the time. And, you know, we, it's always, at least in my head, and the way it shows up for me, is it's important for me to say when I'm expressing an opinion, or when I am making a suggestion because the thing that people love to say is well legal say it 
blah, right. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I remember one day I was just making a suggestion. I was like, you know, it seems to me like the way you're going to get from here to where you want to get to is to have a business plan. And I had to be clear to say, now, let's be clear. Legal is not asking you for a business plan. <laughs> Don't go thinking that you have to create a business plan for the legal department. I'm just making a suggestion. Now, you can take the suggestion or you can leave it. But, you know, it's just based on what you're trying to do. This is just what I think might be helpful for you. And and I was clear to trumpet that to all the senior leaders. You know, leader, legal is not asking for a business plan. We're just suggesting. Um, and so it's, it is, I think, important that whether you feel like a big voice or not, um, sometimes that is where you sit. And so you have to treat that role and that level with respect and humility and approach it in a way that, you know, you're not sort of intentionally or unintentionally clobbering people over the head with it in ways that don't serve the business and frankly, in the long run, don't serve you. So if we were to recap, Melanie, um, if our leaders have heard sort of, you know, nothing else this whole time, or if they've heard a lot of things and you want to sort of cut through that and say, here are the key points that we want you to walk away with, what would you say? Yeah, I'll give you the three points. And then I would like to add something to what you just said. I think listening at the speed of business is also about listening to yourself, right? So when you talk about giving yourself grace and ensuring that you are uh, finding yourself in new roles and ensuring you give yourself time to develop. When I first took this job, uh, this this will just be an audio. You won't have video, but I'm in my office today and Speedway was commenting on my office when we first started this podcast. Uh, I sat down at this desk in this office. It's a gorgeous office. And I like the very first day was like, this is amazing. I'm the president. And then I was like, wait a minute. I have to do this job now. <laughs> I have responsibility. <laughs> it was more than just getting this title, right? And, and so I really had to listen to myself in that moment and, and, and just take a pause and say, okay, Melanie, you don't have to do everything all at once today, right? You got this office. You moved in. That's great. I got a plant. I put up my picture, right? <laughs> this is actually just going to be a process and give yourself time and space to listen to what you need to, to ensure that you deliver that. If I think about the three things that I think you could take away from our time together, right? Be honest with yourself uh, when you uh, make a mistake, right? And, and really be honest about what you can learn from it and ensure that in that learning, you're pushing it forward into uh, how you can make your business or your team better. That would be the first listen at the speed of business, right? The second one would be uh, ensure that you are protecting your business and by protecting your time through the art of saying no, right? Find that no that feels good on you and then use it to give grace to yourself and to the people who you'll interact with uh, would be the second thing. And then the third thing I would say is is probably just what we just talked about, the art of listening at the speed of business is also about listening to yourself and what you need. And that can be something as big as, do I need to go home and sleep right now because I'm not at my best? Or do does this interaction right now really need my voice? Or is there somebody else who would be better served, some other leader, some other person in the business who would be better served to be developed by this moment where I step out and they step in? So um, 
yeah, those, those would be the three things that I would say. Um, Thank you so much, Melanie. This has been invaluable. We have unpacked a lot of things. And I think, you know, as a leader, I, I walk away with all these really great nuggets and things that I can add to my arsenal for how do I improve how I show up. And I personally do need to get better at saying no, um, because, you know, we're just, it's a time, I think, where a lot of people are just slammed for, <laughs> with so many things that are coming at you in so many ways that you have to show up in so many arenas. And um, some of it, you know, I have days where I think, oh, I'd be, I, I, I can just see the thing that I want to create. I have a process in my head. If only I just could have time to sit down and put it together in the way that I want. And so um, this is amazing. I think, you know, listeners, the bottom line is you too can lead your valued team and deepen trust, safety, and validation with your team members. You can even be a softer leader, nurturing their ideas to be a pleasant, authentic, and even happy leader if you put some of these ideas into play. Melanie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Speedway. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And that is a wrap, listeners. You will uh, you can find a link in the notes where you can learn more about Melanie, you can read her article as well. There's a link in the notes for that. And I think I also promised an article about ego in the notes for this podcast, as well as a link to Dorothy Inez's episode where she talks about this, more about this idea of saying no. And until next time, this is Biwe saying, thank you for joining us. Be mindful and be well. Thank you for listening to Mindful in Five. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend, follow and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Pick up your signed copy of the book and journal from SpeedwayJefferson.com or unsigned copies from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you get your books. Visit SpeedwayJefferson.com to download sample chapters of the book, watch videos, and become a mindful ninja. Join us on the LinkedIn Mindful in 5 group and share your thoughts. Until next time, be mindful and be well.